Hey guys, how are we? Going well? That's what I like to hear. So we're a pretty interactive church, aren't we? So uh, this morning I want to do this little thing, we're going we're gonna to practice it. If one person claps, you all have a responsibility to clap with that person, we're a family. We don't leave them by themselves, there we go. So, that, so that's the first one, so then randomly when I'm talking, I'm just going like, to start clapping by myself, and uh, if I start clapping by myself, you all need to just start clapping. So I mean like, I'm just randomly going to do it, so there we go, that's good, I like it. I see a couple of people still not doing it, I, I, I can see everyone from up here, I'm, I have the height. I can see your hands, so taking note. Um, and on that note, Taylor, awesome worshipping this morning, doesn't go unnoticed, I'm just loving what is going on in like the young people's lives at youth, um, and like that's just the evidence this morning, you're just like going crazy, so keep that up, that's exactly what we're wanting. So, oh, there we go, yeah, come on, that's good, that's great. Um, so, yeah, I just want to pray to get uh, this morning uh, started, so... Dear Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We just pray, Lord, that we can just hear what you're saying to us, Lord God, and we can just take it out and we can apply it to our lives, that we won't just sort of hear about it and be like, oh, yeah, that's cool, and then just forget about it, that we can actually take it and apply it to our lives and, and learn and grow and keep moving forward in you and keep moving forward in our relationship, and we won't stand still and stagnant, Lord. We just thank you for who you are. Amen. Um, so it's actually really funny, no word of a lie. I haven't spoken to Gary or Jane about like what I've been talking on or anything, but you could literally label this message leaving it at the altar. You, you could label it that. So that's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, so my name's Danny. Obviously, I'm, I'm the youth leader at, uh, at Futures Youth, so um, that's gone pretty cool. Um, at the end of the message, um, I'm not going to be doing an altar call, but Athena will be. I just really encourage you if at the end of the, like this message you feel like this is something that is speaking to you, just get up um, at the altar call um, when uh, Athena is, is speaking. Oh, Althea, sorry. Sorry, I'm literally dyslexic. I apologize. That's why my notes are dot points. I can't, I can't read. Um, yeah, so that's, that's cool. Do, do that as well. So um, my, my topic is, is kind of unforgiveness um, and what unforgiveness can do in our lives. So I just really want to, um, you know, speak about that because I really feel like, you know, there's some people here to, this morning that, you know, you might be carrying some unforgiveness in your heart, you know, whether it was with, you know, your friends or family or, or church or, or church leaders, whatever it is, that there's something, um, you know, that I was sort of praying about and God's just used the word unforgiveness and I was like, all right, okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, I just want to, I just want to speak about that. So it's actually a bit of a miracle that I'm here this morning. Uh, I've had the worst couple of months, um, and it's just been really hard. Um, and one of those sort of sort of days that I had was um, I came home from work after not hearing about uh, an awesome sort of thing that happened. I lost some some uh, some work, and it wasn't it wasn't good. And um, I was sitting in my, my my car park, like my little veranda thing. Um, what do you call it? A drive through, drive in, car carport. That's the one. And um, it's made out of brick, and like usually I just go in, oh, I hear a clap, ah, there we go, that's good, come on, that's great. Um, and, I, and I usually park in, you know, nice and straight, so I can just go straight in, straight out. But for some reason, I can't remember what it was, I think I had to like park an angle to fit something past my car or something, so I parked my car on an angle, I've gone inside, and I've just done some stuff, I've gone back into my car, and it's in a bit of a rush, and um, you know, I just haven't looked and I've just like gone straight into reverse and kind of just 
all up the side of my car, and it's brick, right? And I love my car. Everyone who knows me, oh my gosh, it just brings me to tears just thinking about it. I love my car so much. And um, it, uh, it didn't just kind of scrape down one way. I had to stop, and then to get it off the wall, I kind of had to try and turn, but it just went up the other way. So it kind of started as not too bad, but then it was just like massive, right? And it was kind of like the part of the car where like my wheel is. So you know like how that car sort of arches around your wheel? It was that sort of the part. It's kind of important that you know that. Not really, but sort of. Might change your life, I don't know. We'll see. So um, it was like the, yeah, the flare guard thing of my car that was just completely scratched. Um, and, you know, kind of after that, my car got defected as well. And I was just like, ah, goodness sake. Um, and it was really frustrating. But Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 13 says, Be tolerant of one another and forgive each other if anyone has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, also you should forgive. So what did Danny Prince do when I scratched my car? Well, I'm glad you asked because what I did is I went to Autobahn, right? And I went to Autobahn and I got like the cheapest paint I could find. It was like 30 bucks and I'm like, right, cool. I got like one sort of little sheet of uh, sandpaper and I was like, oh, I'm going to do this properly. I didn't. And I kind of sanded it down for like 10 seconds. I'm like, I can't be bothered. So I just got the, sp- like the paint and I just psh, over the top. And it actually worked really well. I was really surprised. Like, I didn't think it was going to work as good as what it did. But it actually covered up really well. So I was like, oh, cool. Thank you, God. That was really cool. The paint didn't, doesn't even match. But you can't tell unless you really sort of, like, walk up and, and check. And, like, if you run your fingers over it, you can feel sort of, like, the dents. Because, like, it went all the way in. Um, so I, I did that, and I just, I just covered it up. Um, but that's essentially what I did. I just covered up the scratches on my car. I didn't actually like fix it properly. I didn't actually deal with, with the, the scratches on the car. Um, and like the scratches on the car um, sort of to me represent like the unforgiveness, the scarring and the hurt that we have in our lives that we, we sometimes we kind of just cover them up and we don't actually properly deal with those hurts, those like unforgiveness situations that happen. We, we don't actually properly deal with it and we cover it up and we pretend like it's not actually there but it is, and we, and we know it's there. And, you know, it might be years down the track that something sort of flares that back up and we're just like, you, you might see someone, you know, that sounds bad, or that someone might say something and you're just kind of like, oh, I just want to punch in the face. But then you're kind of like, no, no, I can't do that. But that's, that's like a, a notification that you probably haven't dealt with, you know, that unforgiveness, you know. I mean, so it, there we go. I mean, that wasn't one of my points, but come on, God's obviously speaking. So, um, you know, it, we probably haven't, yeah, dealt with it properly. We've just covered up. Um, and who else here, like, you see a car and it's really sort of dinged up. You don't really want to park next to it, hey. You're kind of like, nah, I don't want to park next to that car. I don't want my car getting scratched. But, like, you know, we, you know we're driving around in our scratched up car and, you know, that's kind of like what happens. People don't want to park next to our car. They don't want to, you know, hang out with you. They don't want to sort of just like be involved because they see the car, they see the scratches, they see the scarring of that unforgiveness. They see the, the fruit of, of what's been going on in your life because you haven't dealt with that issue. It doesn't necessarily have to be unforgiveness. It can be anything that you're going through. It can be, you know, just absolutely anything. You can almost apply it to anything. Um, and I, I can't remember where I read this, but it says um, 
Unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting and expecting the other person to die. It's, it's that toxic that the unforgiveness in your heart, it's, it's just so raw and so like just uh, poisonous that you poison yourself because you're being consumed by this unforgiveness. You, you start just doing things you wouldn't normally do and, it, and it's, it just, it's infectious, like people can see it. Um, so the scratch on my car, if I don't actually properly deal with that, if I don't fix it properly eventually, it will actually start rusting from the inside out because I haven't put any sort of primer over it. I haven't, like, you know, sanded it back. Like, it will eventually start rusting from the inside out and it will cause, like, really bad damage on the integrity of the car. Like, I won't be able to drive it. Like, it will eventually probably get defected again, you know, if I don't, if I don't actually deal with the issue. And God doesn't want our, our hearts to be poisoned. He doesn't want us to rust from the inside out just like that car. He doesn't want that to fester in us and, and make us, you know, poisonous and, and our fruit start being, you know, poisonous fruit that, you know, if someone takes a bite of it, they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, that's gross. And, you know, they, he doesn't want that for our lives. He wants us to, to live in freedom. Um, the car did get, de- like, defected, like I said before, um, it wasn't actually for the, the scratches. It was for a whole range of other reasons. Um, and, uh, but, however, the, the rust disqualifies the car from being roadworthy, right, if it gets bad enough. Um, but God didn't actually call us. You know, God didn't... Um, oh, sorry, I've, I've read that wrong. My bad. Rust disqualifies the car from being roadworthy, but God didn't come to disqualify. He came to qualify despite our disqualification. So, like, he doesn't, he doesn't come and be like, nah that car's not good enough, like, I'm not letting you drive that car, like, I'm not letting you, like, do that because it's not good enough, he's not in the business of being like, oh, I'll just cover this part up for now, and then, like, later on down the track, I'm, I'm going to fix it, like, he's in the full restoration, he's in, like, the full sort of, like, change the whole car panel, change the whole paint, like, change the whole thing, and, and like, that's what he wants to do, he doesn't want to just cover it up, he doesn't want us to just, you know, be, uh, like, a flaky sort of a person, just being like, you know what, I'm covering this up, I'm covering that up, I'm, I'm just going to, like, not deal with that. Um, so he wants to give us a whole new guy, like a whole new, a whole new car almost, you know, so, you know, we can kind of apply this to our own life where we might, you know, apply heaps of makeup, we might, we might, you know, just buy the, the fanciest clothes, we might, you know, um, hang out with people who we feel like, you know, lift us up because, you know, that's the identity that we're getting now, you know, we might cover it up in a range of different things, but at the end of the day, it's going to make us poisonous from the inside out. It's going to rust. It's going to fester. It's going to grow. Unless we deal with that, it's, it's never going to change. It's never going to be let go. Like We're never going to be able to uh, move forward in what God wants for our lives. We're going to stay stagnant. We're not actually going to push through it. Um, so I, I was told a story not long ago. Not long ago. Some of you might have uh, heard it. But um, it, it's about letting go. So there's a... Uh, a monkey, right, and uh, a, um, a hunter. So the monkey really likes these seeds, right, and he puts his hand in a jar because what the hunter does is he, is he puts a, a jar up this tree and monkeys, obviously, they, like, climb up the trees and they try and get to the seeds. So this hunter puts the seeds that the monkey likes inside of this jar. The monkey climbs up and puts his hand inside of the jar so his hand can fit and... Uh, you know, the monkey will close its hand, but it, it no longer can, like, get out of the jar because its fist is, um, you know, bigger. So, you know, if it let go of the seed, it could escape 
and the hunter knows that you know the monkeys really like these seeds and it's not going to let go so this monkey's like holding onto this seed you know thrashing away trying to like you know get free and the hunter can hear him because you know the monkey's going bananas <laughs> um <laughs> and uh you know so yeah, there's a clap there we go there's one um and uh it ultimately leads to the monkey's demise because the monkey's not letting go. The monkey's holding on to that thing that's not good for it. Even though he thinks it's good for him, you know, it's not actually good for the monkey. It's going to lead to his demise. And, and that's very much like you know, our unforgiveness and our sin, that thing that we're holding on to, that thing that you know, we, we get our identity from, that we think is good for us, that we think you know, is going to make us feel good, the, the thing that we think, you know, okay, maybe this is what God has for us, but, you know, time and time again, it's showing it's not actually good for us. Like, it's going to lead to, like, things that are going to hurt us. It's going to lead to, and that can be relationships. That can be, like, friends. Again, you can apply that to absolutely anything. And I just really want to encourage you that, you know, forgiveness is that thing that we, we have to have. We have to have. We have to be able to forgive other people because, you know, it frees them up as well as us. Um, and if we, if we can't learn to forgive you know, it says in the Bible, you know, I might be taking this out of context, but God won't forgive us. Um, and, and I just want to encourage you guys that forgiveness isn't just a once-off, you know, thing. It's not a thing where you can just be like, hey, look, I forgive you. You know, there might be extreme circumstances where that is possible. But um, it is an ongoing thing where we have to just be like, hey, look, I, I, you know, I, I want to I wanna pray for forgiveness. Like, Lord, I want to I I pray for forgiveness. I want to you know, just please help me to pray, please help me to forgive that person, and it's an ongoing thing where, you know, we might see, we might see that person down the street, and something flares up inside of us again, and we're just like, oh, that's so annoying, then that's when you need to take that thought captive, that's when we need to be like, nah, Lord God, please help me to forgive that person, please help me to forgive that person, and we need to pray into it all the time, we need to keep on praying into that hurt, we need to keep on doing it, it's not an ongoing thing where we just do it once, because if we just do it the one time, you know, we're, we're essentially just covering it up. We're just, we're just going, like, I'm going to slap on that for now, and, and that's good enough. But eventually it will come back. It will keep on coming back. The rust will keep on coming back unless we properly deal with it at the source of where it came from. Um, and I just also want to encourage you guys that, um, you know, let, we need to start acting on what we're hearing at church as well. Like, we have an awesome pastor who... who We have an awesome pastor who every single week spends like six, seven hours writing a message for us, right? Every single week. And that's so much time and effort. I mean, like, I spent like a couple of hours on this and I'm like, oh my goodness, like, how does he do this every single week, right? But let's start like acting on what he's saying and start being like, I'm going to apply this in my life. I'm going to write notes. I'm, going to, I'm not just going to, you know, waste his six, seven hours just being like, okay, yeah, that was a cool message. But then continuing walking on, you know, in, in the same old fashion that we're going. I just want to encourage you guys to apply it to your life and be like, no, nah, I'm not going to stay stagnant. I'm not going to stay where I am. But I want to start, you know, seeing um, a difference in my family and in my business and in, and in my world, in my schools. I want to start like, you know, moving forward. I don't want to stay where I am because I know that, you know, God, you have so much more for me. You have so much more than what we're living in right now. And I just want to encourage you guys just to act on it and just to apply it and just think about what Gary's been saying during the week and, and just, you know, mull it over and continue just to, to, to yeah, meditate on it because it will change your life. Um, so, yeah, just that, that's all I really have for this morning. So I'll just hand over to, to Gary. So.
all right, awesome. So I've just been given the green light. If, if uh, any, let's all stand. So let's all stand together. Okay. So we're all going to pray together. That's what we're doing. Okay, right. So I'm just going to pray. Um, and yeah, you, just, you speak in your own sort of tongue. And if you, if you want to raise your voice, you know, that's fine. We just, you know, empower you to do what you feel like. So dear Lord, we just thank you for everyone here. We just pray, Lord God, that you can just continue to work in us, Lord Jesus, and we can just lay down this unforgiveness or whatever that thing is in our heart that is holding us back, the thing that is not letting us walk forward into into your plan for our life, Lord Jesus. We just pray that we can lay that down to you, that we won't be that monkey holding on to that thing that, that is holding us back that's not actually good for us, Lord Jesus. We just pray that, you know, we can think of those people who who um, have hurt us, those, those times, those situations that have hurt us and left scars in our hearts, Lord God, that we can just give them and let them go to you, that we can leave that at the altar, Lord Jesus, and that we can just um, pray into that and, and, and give forgiveness where it's needed. We just thank you so much for the change and the breakthrough that is going to be happening, Lord Jesus. We declare that right now, Lord God, even right now, where people are just like, ah, you know, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to let this go. And I just encourage you guys to do that. And we just thank you so much for who you are, Lord Jesus. In the name of God, in the name of Jesus, we all said, Amen. 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 Excellent. Praise God. That's a good message. That's a good message. Man, I, I might steal that. That's good. That's good. That's a good message. Praise God. Right, we're going to have another great speaker. It's a woman who is Althea. And... Um, I know that because I wrote it down. Um, just has a, I've got to tell you, has a hunger for the Word of God that is contagious. She has a, a depth and a wealth of knowledge in the Word of God, but also in, in how to apply that to your life. And I, it, it, I love people who, who love the Word, but you know, I, I need to know how to apply it. I, I need to know how to put that Word to work in my life. And that's something that Althea does really, really well. So again, I encourage you to lean in, to, to say, God, I want you to speak to me through her message this morning. So let's stand and let's welcome Althea as she comes to deliver the message this morning. Now that clock started and I haven't said a word yet. Now that's not fair. Back, I've just, he just used up half of my minute there. <clears throat> okay, I do, I do. Uh, oh, no, no, don't clap. Taste time. <laughs> shh, shh, shh. Right. What I want you to do, I mean, I do, lo- I do love the word, and that, which is a co- code for saying I do love Jesus so much. Anyway, I want you to suspend that you know stuff in the Bible. Like Joe said last week, we get a bit familiar with stuff, and we don't really think, oh, wow. So... Forget that you know some stuff for a moment. I want you to think about some very ordinary people in the Bible, really ordinary people. Let's start with Joseph. He was the 11th of 12 sons, and his brothers didn't like him because he was a mouth. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And worse than that, he was a snitch. So they didn't like him. So he's normal. Now, this snitch ends up being a slave in Egypt. And after several long years, when he had loads of opportunities to get offended, aggravated, and unforgiveness in his heart, he didn't. 
He kept an incredibly good heart. And eventually, this snitch, slave, becomes second in command of the whole country of Egypt. And because of the wisdom that God gave him, which he's quite capable of giving to you, by the way. Anyway, because of the wisdom God gave him, he saved all of Egypt, because otherwise they would have starved. That was the wisdom of God, saved the whole of Egypt. And also, it saved the baby nation of Israel. They were just 12 brothers who really didn't get on too well at the time, but they became Israel. Now, the fact that Israel was saved also means you got saved, because no Israel, no Jesus, no life for us. So that was Joseph, an ordinary man. David, again, his brothers didn't like him. There's an issue here. I don't have any brothers. I always wanted one, but never mind. Anyway, David, not popular with his brothers. They thought he was also a bit of a mouth. He hears about this giant. He says, who is this giant? What are you thinking of? We are able, which is true. He kills the giant. He becomes king. He was an ordinary guy doing what seemed to him obvious. Think about Jonah. I really like Jonah. (laughs) God says, go to Nineveh. So he gets in the boat, goes exactly the opposite way. Uh, You might never have done this, but there's times in my life when God said such and such, and I think, oh, no way, other way. But never mind, He he always gets us in the end, thankfully. So Jonah, with a very bad attitude, goes to Nineveh, and he he speaks the message that God gave him. Now, because he actually spoke the message of repentance to these people who would be similar to ISIS and ISIL, they were really not nice people at all, really bad. 120,000 people repented. Can you imagine 120,000 people? Imagine if that happened in Mount Barker. Way to go. Esther. An ordinary girl. Beautiful, but an ordinary girl. Next minute, she's in, in the harem, and the next thing that happens to her is she becomes the queen. Now you think, oh yeah, that's nice for her. The queen of this nation that she became queen of was enormous. They say it was the largest of all the ancient empires. Probably that means bigger than Greece, Rome, and Alexander. Massive empire. She became the queen. And although she was terrified, she went into the king and stopped the slaughter of the Jewish people. One woman, with courage, goes to the king and asks, save these people. A good example of prayer. She was just an ordinary girl until that moment came when she had to do something. Think about Peter. Most of us like Peter because he puts his foot in his mouth and he does, you know, he, he does things that we do. But the thing with Peter, he also denied his savior three times. But this same Peter, and by the way, Jesus said to him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times to wipe that one out. Thank God for his goodness. Peter was definitely an ordinary guy. This ordinary guy walked on water. You might think, oh, yeah, but he did sing. Yeah, of course he did. But he actually got out the boat And he walked on water. An ordinary guy walking on water. Then, soon after Jesus went back home, he preaches. And 3,000 people got saved. Can you imagine standing up, 
with one message in the streets and 3,000 people getting saved. He was an ordinary guy. So what's the point of what I'm trying to say? Is ordinary, normal, flawed human beings with God can do phenomenal things. Point one. Point two. What about us? We've got the Bible. They didn't have the Bible. They just had relationship. We've got the Bible. So we have an opportunity to learn more. There's a statement in Corinthians chapter 3, verse verse 3, if you want to check it. It says, Paul's admonishing the church, and he says, you're behaving like mere men. Girls, we know what that means. (laughs) But... Seriously, what, what was Paul trying to say to the church? What was he trying to say? What would he say if he came in? And say, what would you feel like if he came in and said to you, you're just behaving like human beings? You think, well, I am one. <laughs> no, you're not. If you're born again, if you've accepted this beautiful Jesus into your life, you are not a mere human being. I'll tell you, the Bible is shocking. Listen to this. As many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God and heirs. That is your status. If you've accepted him, you get to be a child of God. Now think about that. If I was a child of, say, Bill Gates, I would know. I have access to millions. I have access to opportunities. I have access to power. Guess what? You've got access to much more than that. In Colossians 3, 12, it says, As the elect of God, holy and beloved. Think about that. God looks at you and he says, Oh, you're holy and I adore you. He doesn't say, I put up with you. I like you a little bit most days. He says, No, I adore you. Holy, that's a big one. Here's another one. This is a, you know, you wouldn't go into some places and say this. In Ephesians, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. I've got a place where I really belong. I have an issue with belonging. It never seemed to quite fit anywhere, except in Jerusalem, of course. But, you know, I don't have, anyway, I don't want to waste time with that. We're saints. Now, you probably wouldn't want to go into the Vatican and say, I'm a saint. (laughs) But in actual fact, the Bible, which is the word of God who cannot lie, says you are a saint. So I did this message the other day after hours of waiting on the Lord. And last night dropping asleep, and he said, what's a saint? I thought, I don't know. It's one of those words you use. So this morning, I got up and looked up the word saint, which I've had to write on the back of my notes, which I can't read. Saint. Oh, you've got to listen to this. A very virtuous, kind, patient person. Does that sound like the fruit of the Spirit to you? Virtuous, kind, and patient. Something, oh, wow, I like this. 
And then, this nearly rocked me off my bed. A person acknowledged as holy. I thought, yes, confirmation, holy. Or virtuous. As being in heaven after death. I thought, after death. Wow. Now, there's a thing. According to the Bible, I have died because my life is now hidden with God. So technically, my status is the old me is dead. I might look like the old me, but I'm not the old me. I am a new creation, and so are you. If you've got Jesus in your life, you're not just a human being. You're not. You're a saint. You're holy. You're beloved. What a package. And the thing is, you might be thinking, oh, this is good. I like this. I like, being, I like being a holy saint and beloved. But there's people out there who don't know. They need to know. They need to know that every sin they've ever forgiven, for, um, every sin they've ever committed has already been forgiven. You're forgiven before you ask. But you have to ask to receive the benefits. He's already done it. His blood has covered every sin. The sins I will commit tomorrow, try living with me, the sins I will commit tomorrow or the next day possibly, he's already dealt with them. He's forgiven. All I've got to do is say to him, oh, I really am sorry about that. I really am sorry about that. And instantly, instantly, the blood of his beautiful son wipes it out. It's gone. That's who we are. Okay. So you think, oh, this is all very interesting. There's a thing I really wanted to talk on, and gosh, look at the time, was knowledge. We need to know stuff. In the world, they say knowledge is power. Well, more so in the kingdom of God, knowledge is incredible power. Listen to this one from Hosea. It's a shocking one, really. My people, that's us, are destroyed through lack of knowledge. There is a potential for us to walk into destruction if we don't know who we are and who we belong to. And I'm not speaking destruction on you, definitely, but I'm just saying we need to get into the Bible and find out what he says and go, yeah, that's right, that's the truth, the circumstances are wrong, my thinking's wrong, but you're right and I'm going to think like you and act like you because that's the plan. That's the plan. To counterbalance the destruction, in Daniel it says, the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The more you get to know him, the stronger you get and the more stuff he's going to give you to do. Then you need to get to know him more so he can do the more things that he wants you to do in your life. I'd like us to look at two verses, which that amazing man at the back is going to fling up in a moment. Colossians, I would like you, I know it's a little bit small, I'd like you to read this with me so that you hear what he is saying. Please. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, 
giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Thank you very much. There's a couple of verbs in there that are in the past tense, if you look at them. Near the end, it says, he has qualified us. Has qualified us, not he is going to. He's already done it. We're qualified to be saints in the light. I like walking in the light. I don't want to have darkness in my life. It's painful. Go, he has qualified us. And look at the end, verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. So over here is darkness. Over here is unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, depression, fear, anxiety. A lot of the stuff people having to deal with out there, they need to know that there is an option. You can go over here into the kingdom of the son of his love, and you can live in the light. So it's a past thing, but we need to know it. The knowledge is in there somewhere. Increasing in the knowledge of God. This is one of the Bible prayers I pray often, including for the leadership and for our home group and various different people. But the thing is, knowledge is available. God's not trying to keep us in the dark. He wants us in the light. He wants us to get that knowledge, get it into our system, and use it to live. Next one, please. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. A little bit shorter. I can't see. Sorry. If you'd like to read it. Divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world through love. So you've already spotted it, haven't you? His divine power has given to us. All things that pertain to life and godliness, everything that God has, he's given it to us in that wonderful person called Jesus. He's given us the lot. There's nothing he withholds from us. He's a good father. And how does he give it to us? Through knowledge. You need to know what you've got. You need to keep reading the book to find out what belongs to you. It's your property. Don't let thingy steal from you. I was annoyed with Luke. I forgave him. I was annoyed with Luke last week. I did forgive him, Danny. He pinched me scriptures. And I'm sitting there thinking, what is going on? Anyway, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's one of the ones he used. But God came, Yeshua came that you might have life, abundant life. So there it is. Look at verse 4. He has has given us exceedingly great and precious promises. You check it out. There are promises in there that are mind-blowingly wonderful. They're promises. God doesn't lie. It's a promise. He says, here it is. Have it. And you've got to say, yeah, thanks. How do we do? How do we get to this? Read the book. Be consistent and read the book. 
It's beautiful. It's wonderful. You'll get to love it. There's things in there that are mind-bogglingly wonderful and challenging. Start looking at dates, for example. That's a fascinating thing to do. Start looking at the prophecies. God said, I'm going to do such and such. Guess what? He did. And there's some of the things he hasn't done yet that he said he's going to do. So it's pretty exciting. One of the things is he says, Jesus is coming back. You think, he's coming back? Yeah, he's coming back. Probably quite soon. He is coming back. We're not going to be left alone. He's, we're not alone anyway because the Holy Spirit's with us. But he's coming back. Why do we get so frightened of stuff? I mean, I had an issue the other day with this fear. Because, you know, you, suddenly you get this fear and you, all your body goes, Egh. I thought, why am I frightened of that? It was a health thing. Why, why am I frightened of that? Why should I be frightened of what a human being says about me when God says, I've healed you? It's an option. We choose. No, it's not that time. No, please don't let me. So Pastor Gary was exhorting us before to make declarations. You've got to do it. It's not an option. You've got to do it. Unless you want to you know, fade away into nowhere land. But if you read it, think about it, which is meditating it, go over it and over it and over it. What does that actually mean? What does it look like? Do that until that scripture becomes real. The other day, well, yesterday, God said to me, you're healed. Because it's a health thing and what I was concerned about. And I thought, okay. I'm healed. I know, I know the scriptures on healing. I could teach on healing for days, as you can imagine. But the thing is, it had to become real to me. And it became real to me. And I thought, I'll meditate on this. I'll think about what does it feel like to be healed? What does it feel like to not have pain? What does it feel like not to have that anxiety of waiting for the doctor to phone you because he's got the results? And he said, I'll phone you if it's, you know, what you don't want to know about. Thank God he hasn't phoned me yet. He hasn't phoned me. But I thought, no. I've got to focus on the fact of what God says and put it into action. So I'm seeing myself totally healed, totally pain-free, and totally free of the fear of whatever. That's meditation. And the other thing is declare it, speak it out. You need to find your promise, your words from him. Think about them. Visualize them. See yourself as God sees you because you are phenomenal. See yourself the way God sees you, and then let him do the exploits you want to do. I just want to finish, I promise, <laughs> on a challenge. Because I always think, you know, it's all very nice to hear messages like that. But what's the challenge? What's, what's, what are we supposed to do? And I just want us to look at John 14, verse 12, with my amazing assistant at the back. I don't know how he does this. Listen to this. Uh, I won't waste with it. Most assuredly, I, Yeshua, Jesus, say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works will these they do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That is a phenomenal promise. But what's the channel challenge? You can 
do greater works than Jesus. Can you imagine that? Raising the dead, healing blind eyes, seeing crippled people walk. That is, that's what he did. He did that to real people. And he's basically saying, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. There's a challenge. That's something you have to meditate on. And then you have to say, okay, I don't, give a, I don't care about stuff anymore. I don't care about what's fashionable, what's not fashionable, da 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 I just care about you're coming back, and I want to be able to say to you, well, can't imagine, you know, how wonderful, you know, be on the floor before him, but I don't want him to look at me and say, but he's not going to because he's in control. He is going to get each one of us to the place he wants us to be. He got Jonah to Nineveh, and he didn't want to go there. He's capable of getting you to the place you need to be to see people saved, delivered, and set free, because that's our commission. Let's pray. First off, is there anybody who's never, ever got to be introduced to this beautiful Jesus. Uh, if everybody could close their eyes, because this is a private moment for, for somebody. I can't close my eyes because I might fall over. Jesus is amazing. He's wonderful. He forgives us. He delivers us. He's, he gives us new life, new hope. He gives us joy and peace in difficult situations. He's fantastic. I can highly, highly recommend him. If you don't know him, would you like to get to know him? If you would, please put your hand up. Nobody's going to see. Well, I will, but nobody's going to see. It's only you and God for this moment. It's just you and God. And you've got to look at him and say, sounds like you're amazing. I would like to get to know you. If anybody would like to get to know him for the very first time, please put your hand up. Okay, so I'm assuming that we all know and love God. Excellent. So the next thing is, I want to pray for all of us. Father, gracious, loving, wonderful Father, please give us more and more knowledge of your will. Give us more and more knowledge of how wonderful you are. Give us understanding of how much you love us and how much you want to lift us up and and let us run free and, and do the greater works that you want to see done in this world to get those people out there into your kingdom. Father, give us wisdom, give us knowledge, give us understanding, and give us boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well done.